We're we're carrying on in the book of Luke. Uh, So if you want to be turning to Luke chapter 17. Uh, Last week, Boris preached um, the end of of Luke 16 and looking at the rich man and Lazarus. And and really just Jesus teaching on on something that's quite intense. The afterlife, right? And, um, And... This idea where Jesus talks about making it very clear that that eternity is for real. That our final destination matters. And that once we've arrived there, that there is no coming back, changing, trying to get from one to the other. That's it. And and in a sense, to to say how we live now really matters. How we live now now is so very important. And, and then going on into Luke 17, I think we really see that. Yeah. Jesus, at the start of Luke 16, Jesus is talking to his disciples. Then, at sort of halfway through, he turns to the Pharisees and he's talking to them. And now, at the start of Luke 17, he turns back to his disciples. And so we get this teaching of kind of like, okay, here is how you guys need to live. Here's how you guys need to be in relationships with one another. And just this overarching theme in Luke 17 of relationships. Our relationships with one another and our relationship with God. Um, And so really the the title of our lesson this morning is Selfless Relationships. Selfless Relationships. So if I turn to Luke chapter 17. Starting at verse 1. It says, Jesus says to his disciples, things that cause people to stumble are bound to come. But woe to anyone through whom they come. It would be better for them to be thrown into the sea with a millstone tied around their neck than to cause one of these little ones to stumble. So watch yourselves. If your brother or sister sins against you, rebuke them. And if they repent, forgive them. If they sin against you seven times in a day and seven times come back to you saying, I repent, you must forgive them. The apostles said to the Lord, increase our faith. <laughs> he replied, if you have faith as small as a mustard seed, you can say to this mulberry tree, be uprooted and planted into the sea and it will obey you. Suppose one of you has a servant plowing or looking after the sheep. Will he say to the servant when he comes in from the field, come along now and sit down to eat? Won't he rather say, prepare my supper, get yourself ready and wait on me while I eat and drink? After that you may eat and drink. Will he thank the servant because he did what he was told to do? So you also, when you've done everything you were told to do, should say, we are unworthy servants. We've only done our duty. Now on his way to Jerusalem, Jesus travelled along the border between Samaria and Galilee. As he was going into a village, ten men with who had leprosy met him. They stood at a distance and called out in a loud voice, Jesus, Master, have pity on us. When he saw them, he said, go show yourselves to the priests. And as they went, they were cleansed. One of them, when he saw he was healed, came back praising God in a loud voice. He threw himself at Jesus' feet and thanked, thanked him. And he was a Samaritan. Jesus asked, were not all ten cleansed? Where are the other nine? Has no one returned to give praise to God except this foreigner? Then he said to him, rise and go, your faith has made you well. Amen. There's a, 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 great, a great passage there. 
And again, I think there's this overarching theme of, of, of relationships, of, of our attitude in relationships, our relationship with one another and our relationship with God. And really the first point is give up your right to self. Give up your right to self. And, and Jesus starts off and he teaches that, that things that cause people to stumble, he says they're bound to cut. Yeah. It's a guarantee. It's not if, but, but when. <coughs> the issues, problems, r- relationally, in our families, in, in, in our marriages, in our friendships, in the church, these things are bound to come. It's kind of like, oh, that's discouraging, but that's, that should also be reassuring. Yeah. The thing, just because we have issues doesn't mean that, oh, we're, wow, we shouldn't. No, well, we shouldn't, but, but issues are bound to come. Yeah. And I think we can think, well, if we only dealt with it better, if we were only faster to deal with it, slower to deal with it, uh, dealt with it in a different way, had better leadership, um, were more of this, more of that, then things would be great. And amen, we, we need to grow, we need to learn, we need to change, but, but issues will always come. Troubles will always come. Temptation will always come. And we pretty much all know that. Uh, you know, obviously... Those of you disciples, when you first got baptized, you were just so fired up. Like, oh my, there wasn't a care in the world. It was just, nothing could go wrong. The church was perfect. Every relationship was amazing. And then about maybe, I don't know, one day, two days in maybe, things pop up and you have a couple of good days there, but it doesn't take long before issues pop up. And Jesus is kind of saying, not that that's acceptable and just that we should settle, but he's saying, expect things will come. Yeah. Don't expect it to just be smooth and clean sailing, that everything will be perfect. He says, issues will come. Issues will come. And and really the question is, how are we going to work together through these conflicts? How are we going to work together through these conflicts? You know, when when it comes to conflicts, sometimes we read passages like this, and I, I think we can, even as I first read this, I think, I want to point the finger. Yeah. Especially this, this part where he says, it would be, uh, but woe to anyone through whom they come. And I think it talks about sort of this idea of us being a stumbling block for other people. And I think so often we can think, okay, we point the finger, yes, that's right, there are people out there stumbling me. And we can, I'm so glad they're here today as well. They can finally hear this message. And, and we, we, all, we can all think that at times. We all think that. But that's not Jesus' intention here. Jesus is wanting, he's speaking now to the disciples, wanting them to self-reflect. Not to think, how is everyone else stumbling me, but, but am I stumbling anyone? Am I being a, a, a stumbling block to anyone? Again, not an excuse to start pointing the finger or to blame others, but, but a time to self-reflection, to look at self. What about me? Am I causing anyone to stumble in their faith in any way? Not, not so much the opposite that you're causing me to stumble. That's, that's not what he's really trying to get at here. It's because as we start doing that, as we start always trying to blame others, that becomes a slippery slope. And we're always looking out and then never looking in. And that's, a, that's, a, that's challenging. I find that really challenging. So we see everyone else so clearly and so often we don't see ourselves so clearly. It's a very humbling challenge from Jesus. Jesus is saying, 
look at your, look at your own heart. Am I doing? It's, it's a time for honest assessment. And he uses strong words in in verse in verse two. It would be better for them to be thrown into the sea with a millstone tied around their neck than to cause one of these little ones to stumble. That that's really full on. Not saying this will happen to you. He's saying it'd be better for that to happen than for you to be caught affecting other people's faith. That's that's challenging. And he says any of these little ones and. I think sometimes we think, okay, little ones, children, and obviously it definitely applies to that, but but I think he's talking about little ones as in his little ones, his children, us. That this isn't, oh, well, they're no longer a child, so I guess it doesn't matter. No, it's, are we affecting one another? And you read this description, it sounds like like a mafia hit, doesn't it? Like the tide of thing thrown off the edge of the... Like, it's like full on, but, but why? Because... Because this is how serious Jesus takes us sinning and causing other people's faith to stumble. He takes it so seriously. And really a millstone, they can be massive. They sort of vary in size, but but there's one. and You wouldn't want that tied around your neck. That's really heavy. Um, And so, again, he's he's trying to say "This this is so important. This is so serious. I think often we minimize our sin. Well, it's not that bad. It's it's yeah, it's not that bad. But again, that's not what this passage is getting at when it talks about forgiving each other and stuff. It's not getting at minimize sin by no means. Mm-hmm. But he's talking about self reflection, and I think even we can minimize the effects, some of our effects on other people's faith. Well, that's up to them. That's on them. You do you. I'll do me. I'm sorry if that affects you. Toughen up. And, and we, we can minimise, we, we start to forget the effect that we can have on other people's faith. <coughs> Just get over it. It's not a big deal. If you can't handle that, that's, that's your problem. You're just weak. And, and we, we lose love for one another. We lose this caring aspect where we, where we care less about self and more about people's faith around us. And, and that can come in lots of different ways, whether it be tempting others with, with things that, that we're caught up in, being a bad influence to others by, by what we say, what we do. And I think it can come through many forms. And even, even just simply, it can even come through forms of, of when we know someone maybe has struggled with something in the past, whether it be drunkenness or just something, in it, and we're just not really sensitive to it. Yeah. We're like, well, I'm, I, I'm sorry, I'm still drinking around you. I'm not going to... And amen, we have freedom, but, but what do we use our freedom for? Yeah. Are, we, are, we, are we thinking about others or just consumed about what, what I get to, I can handle, what, what I get to enjoy? Instead of really loving other people. I think it can even be gossiping and slandering. Changing the view of others. And we say things and we think, well, if you can't handle it, that's on you. And, and our negative opinions distract others and, 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 and stumble others discourage others and we need to think it's, it's not about me let me help others in their face let me not be a stumbling block to them and, and this picture of Jesus again it's intense but I just kind of picture it kind of like Jesus like a mama bear kind of like you mess with my little cubs I'm coming for you like don't you dare 
that it is so protective of his children. And, and this idea of, of stumble is, is this Greek word, scandalon, and, and it was literally that, like a, a trap, basically. That, that we can, as we're doing things, saying things, we can start setting up traps for people's faith. That they get caught in and stumble and fall. And, and we need to say, you know what, I can't be that. We need to make a... I think we, again, we live in an individualistic society. Again, it's all about, I do me, and you do you, and that's on you. And, but we need to think, no, we're, we're a community. What, what I does affects other people in, in this room. Let, let, let me not be a snare. Let me not be a stumbling block for other people's faith. That, that, that let me not think about self, but think about others. Oh, let's not let that creep into into this church, that, that, that mentality that's all about me. And let's not let it creep into our marriages, into our family groups, into our friendships. How might, how might you be a stumbling block? How might you be a snare to others around you? And let's, let's make it that, that decision that, no, I'm not going to be that. And again, I, I know we don't, we don't, I don't think we don't plot the demise of people, of course not. But I think sometimes we get so focused on self that we, we're not thinking of others. Yeah. And so I think it, it's, it's time to think, okay, how can I help other people's faith? And, and just really quickly, I think it's another verse, 1 Corinthians 6 verse 7, it says, the very fact that you have lawsuits among you means you've been completely defeated already. Why not rather be wronged? Why not rather be cheated? That the, the Corinthian church were taking each other to court over fights and arguments. And, and he said, well, you're trying to like win the battle. Instead of thinking, well, I, I just want us to be in a good place. Why not rather be wronged? Giving up our, our own rights for the sake of others. For the sake of our brothers and sisters to help them. Again, let's, let's move away from this individual mindset to a communal mindset. A, a mindset of selfless relationships. It's not about me, but it's about we. As we move together, helping each other. And obviously Jesus finishes in verse 3. Whoop, I haven't got it there, but in verse 3 he says, uh, So watch yourselves. It's like, watch yourselves. And it's this, not others, yourself. Watch yourself. When we have issues and problems in relationships, I know I'm always looking at, okay, yeah, look at the, what that person's done. That's always the way I default go. And we need to say, no, okay, what about me? What about me? Let's be selfless in our relationships. And secondly, let's give up the right to hold. Give up the right to hold in verse uh, 3 to 4. Jesus goes on, he says, If your brother or sister sins against you, rebuke them. And if they repent, forgive them. Even if they sin against you seven times in a day, and seven times come back to you saying, I repent, you must forgive them. That's, wow. <laughs> we can all relate to it. But it's something like, increase our faith, please. <laughs> you... That first reaction, if that was us, and we were in a relationship like that, our first reaction, if someone did that seven times in one day, what would you be thinking? You would not really repent it. That would be our first thought. No, I'm sorry. Enough's enough. 
But Jesus says, no, in personal conflicts, we need an abundance of forgiveness. An abundance of forgiveness. But Jesus says, it's not just a sweeping under the rug. He says, no, you guys didn't talk about this. Rebuke. And then forgive. This isn't just a, let's just act like everything's okay. Let's, let's talk about it. But with the, with the mindset and goal of, of forgiveness and reconciliation. So I think sometimes, I even know myself, I've gone in more, and it's more for, I'm frustrated, or, yeah, you've hurt me. Kind of getting revenge, maybe. And, and we need to think, no, no, it can't be about that. It's got to be about, a rebuke is, is a strong warning to help someone change. So we don't, we don't stop the discussion but, but we need to start that, but we need to come in with an abundance of forgiveness. Yeah. Again, because it's not like if, well, if it happens eight times, I'm sorry you've run out for the day. <laughs> Come back tomorrow. No, it's, it's, it's an abundance of forgiveness. An abundance of forgiveness. Excess forgiveness. Again, that we don't sweep it under the rug, we don't ignore it. We get down to the nitty gritty and we help one another, but we are there forgiving one another. We are there forgiving one another. And, and, and this idea of, of forgiveness is the, um, the Greek word here basically is this image of sending away, of, of letting go, of releasing. And it's, uh, this idea of forgiveness is just letting go, just releasing. And I, I really like that imagery. Because I think the best part about that is it's, it frees the person you're forgiving but it also frees you. And we all know that when you've truly forgiven someone, the freedom that comes from that. But that can be really challenging, depending on how long something has gone on for, how deep-rooted it gets. But that's the call here. And it, it kind of this image of like releasing like doves into the sky. That's how I picture it. And they're never seen ever again. I guess that's kind of discouraging because doves are nice, but maybe like a, like a mangled up bird that you you just release and you never have to see that mangled up bird ever again. It just flies out into the. That's probably more what doves are nice. And you don't want them to, be nice. but that that's what he wants us to release these issues and these challenges. The trouble is, is so often it's less like that for us and more kind of like a kite where. We release. But what's attached to the kite? Big string. We're sort of like, we're there, we're like, yeah, I'm forgiving you. And then something happens. I knew it would happen again. Come on, yeah, come on back. And we never really let go. We're always hanging on, waiting for that person to mess up. And that's challenging. Especially the seven times in one day. How much more would that be challenging? But, but each of us needs to, and I know myself, man, needs to dig down deep and say, I need to forgive. I need to not hang on to the stream, but to release, to let go. What are we, what are we holding on to? What, are, what have we got deep down in our hearts that, that, we, that, that thing that that person did? Maybe it was a long time ago. Maybe it's something that's happened over and over again and the person doesn't really seem sorry. As far as we can go, let's forgive. Let's let go. That where that true forgiveness comes, it, it, it helps us move forward. 
to get past our past failures. Because failures, they hold us back. Forgiveness releases that. It helps us move past. It helps us move forward. Again, there is so much freedom when there is when there is this true forgiveness. And, um, and I remember back in Sydney, one of our friends, they, they got married and they moved into their, their new apartment and they're having a housewarming. And they got everything set up and had these nice new white couches and, and we're all there having fun and, and I was there with a drink and uh, with a little bit of wine and, and I finished it and, and we're there chatting and sometimes I like to use my arms when I talk. <laughs> and there was no... I, as far as I was aware, there was no wine left in this little plastic cup. And so I went like that. And maybe two or three drops just spread over this lovely new white couch. And just that moment of... And it's like a small room. Everyone's jam-packed in. It's not like it's just like off in a corner. It's just like in front of everyone. They're there. Their parents are there. And I'm just like, oh my goodness. I just wanted to run. <laughs> They're brand new white couch. And I'm like, oh, I'm so sorry. And I'm cleaning it up. And, and, and I just thought, they're good. this is going to be an ongoing joke for the next six months. They're going to keep bringing it up. They're going to be having jazz whenever they can. But, but they didn't. They were like, look, that's totally fine. And it didn't come up in conversations later on in the night. It didn't come up six months later. You remember that time? And, oh, don't worry, we forgive you. Every time we look at the stains on our white couch, we remember what you did. And, no, it was... And I, and I was like, wow, I guess that's a small thing, but I was like, it was very freeing that, to not, to, like, oh, wow, thank you so much. And when it's, the bigger it gets, the more freedom we feel when people forgive. It helps build trust. Again, we, we don't ignore things, we deal with it. But, but we, we're out to help one another repent and change. And we don't hold things against each other in our hearts. Again, it, this also doesn't go against clear scriptures on how to deal with certain sins in the Bible as well. There's very clear instruction of certain issues of how we should deal with certain sins. So it's not going against that. It's talking about these personal relationship conflicts that we have, that we need to deal with. And, and no matter what happens, that we need to be able to forgive in our hearts, regardless of, of what happens. Um, and I think just with these two ideas, you just get a great sense of, of teamwork. Of let me not stumble others. And when people stumble me, people hurt me, I'm going to forgive freely. I'm going to forgive abundantly. Just this teamwork. Kind of like being a part of a football team. And and you know, you're playing and someone kind of messes up. And you're like, you don't just say nothing, obviously. You're like, hey bro, make sure you mark your player. Make sure you don't let him get through. But, But you don't hold it against the person. And if you do, that team will quickly fall apart. People won't want to turn up. I'm done. I don't, every time I come, they just bring in that time up. I let that own goal in. Or so we we help one another, but but we move on. There is too much at stake to hold little things against one another. There is so much at stake. There, there's there's a, a spiritual battle out there for people's souls. That that's what's at stake, and we, we can't. We've got to learn to move on. And that is challenging. And we need, we need God's grace. And we need to work together. Let's have that team environment where we are working together, not often our separate little teams, our different family groups, up with, but we are also together as one team, one family. And I think not letting things get weird. That, that sometimes I think, well, 
I'm, I'm only comfortable hearing challenges from maybe one or two certain people. Everyone else, I'm sorry, no. And man, I, I get that. I, I've been in there too, but but we need to have a heart of if, if I'm if I'm slowing down the team, if, if I've done something to, to hurt the team, I want to hear it. And it'll be tough, and but but I want to hear it. I, I want to grow. I, I want to change. And that's the heart we really need to go after. To work together as a team. And and, and I'm sure we've all swept issues under the rug. And there's most definitely issues swept under the rug right now. And I know that because I've done that a lot. But the issue is it becomes, like what Jesus says, like this mulberry tree. Deeply rooted. Where the roots go down deep. And bitterness and it it never wants to let go. In verse 6 it says that. That idea of a mulberry tree being deeply rooted. And and we need to to not let that happen. And obviously this is why the disciples say increase our faith. And that might be how you're feeling, right? We, we probably all prayed that prayer. God, help me be more faithful. Increase my faith. Increase my faith. But, but Jesus says, actually, it's, it's not about how much faith, but where your faith is. What your faith is in. And it brings us to our third and final point. Faithful and grateful. Give us more faith. And Jesus says, well, actually, you only need a little bit. A mustard seed. If, if your faith is, is even that small, that's enough to, to uproot the, the deep roots of, of a mulberry tree. And I believe they can grow up to six metres in diameter at times. Probably even more, but that's, I remember in it down, but that's from memory. That even a small bit of faith can, can uproot bitterness, issues that are that deeply rooted. Again, it's not about the, the quantity of our faith, how much you have, but what is your faith in? That's what we need to focus on, church. Because I think sometimes we try and muster up more faith. Just magically come on, we grit our teeth and we're like, I just need to be more faithful. And just, but we need to remember, what is my faith in? What is my faith in? It is in God. And He has the power to do anything. And it's this idea of, of an example of this idea of walking on a frozen lake. And it's this idea of you can have very little faith on thick ice and you'll be fine. You can have huge faith on very thin ice and you could fall right through. That, that is, what is our faith in? What is our faith in? And, and another great quote uh, from Sinclair B. Ferguson, he says, The weakest faith gets the same strong Christ as does the strongest faith. We have the same Saviour, the same Holy Spirit, the same Word of God, no matter where our faith is at. We need to cling to that. That, that it, I just need a little. I just need a little in the right place. I need a little in God. Let, let's put our faith in God. And great things will happen. Hurts and conflicts, they will be resolved and forgiven. Again, you can't control the other person, but but your heart can be healed. You can move forward. Today you may feel faithless, but be encouraged. You don't need that much faith. Just a little in the right place. Because us building a great church here in Birmingham isn't about our bright ideas 
our great insights, our amazing talents. It's about having a little faith in God. And that was what was talked about a lot this weekend as well, is that it's, it's about just staying faithful to God no matter where things are at. Our, our small faith being in the right place and God will shine through our weaknesses. Guys, let's stop, stop making our faith all about us. That's really what this is about. Increase my faith. Increase our faith. And Let's remember it's about our amazing God that we have. And then in, in verse 7, he, he goes on and he says, you know, suppose one of you is a servant clowning or looking after the sheep and says, you know, will he say to the servant when he comes in from the field, come along now and sit down to eat? Won't he rather say, prepare my supper? Get yourself ready and wait on me while I eat and drink. And after that you may eat and drink. Verse 9 says, will he, will he thank the servant because he did what he was told to do? This idea of, of this, these servants working and, and, and it's amazing because he puts the disciples in the master's shoes. He said, you know, if you had a servant, how would you feel? And, and, and this idea of servant is, is like a bond servant. So it's someone most likely who's actually voluntarily chosen because they've been in a down and out situation, they said, look, I need help. Can I please be your servant? Take and, and it would have been him taking him in, almost becoming part of their family, so to speak, feeding him, clothing him, giving him a house. And, and it was like a rescuing, it was great grace that was shown to this bond servant. And so the bond servant, what, what's he going to do? Oh, thank you so much. Let... I, I owe you everything. Of course I will serve you. So he's saying, what, what sense would it make for the servant to start saying, well, are you going to say thank you? When am I going to get to, when are you going to serve up my supper? He's saying, no, it, it would make no sense. And it's just like us. That the grace that we have received, that we still have, the, the transformation that that God's done in our lives when we didn't deserve it. That we are these indebted servants, these bond servants that we are just, of course, I don't, I don't expect anything, I'm just so grateful. And, and the best part is, is that, that God actually does say, thank you, so to speak. Well done, good and faithful servant. And we're also more than that as well. He, that's what we deserve, but He gives us even more. But this is the I think we've got to be careful that we're selfless in our relationships with God. That, that we're not thinking, we're, we're not expecting a lot from Him. But that we're just grateful for what He's done for us. And we want to serve. That, that we're not putting ourselves in, in the master's shoes. We're not saying, I need to be in control. We, I'm just a servant. I, you know what? I don't even have to try and figure out how it all works. And some things I don't exactly understand. Does it make logical sense to me? But I'm not the master, I'm just the servant. Let me faithfully obey his word. Let me just do what the master says. He rescued me from darkness. I'm indebted to him. And, and just doing that, just this idea of just this faithful obedience is, again, it's freeing. We don't have to worry about how everything's going to work and how this church is going to grow or, or how this relationship is going to be solved or this or that. We, we work hard, but, but we don't have to like overburden ourselves with those things. We just have a little bit of faith and we faithfully obey. And God will work out the rest. He really will. What are, what are some ways that, that, that maybe you're wanting to take control? No longer simply 
obey our master. Being that, that selfless servant. And I think it, we need to go after that heart. We need to go after heart, that heart and just being grateful servants. And I think this really connects on with, with the passage about the ten lepers. Where you have these ten lepers and, and most scholars think that, that nine of them were, were Jews and one of them was a Samaritan because the one who comes back, Jesus says that he was a Samaritan. And, and so you've got these... And generally the Jews and Samaritans wouldn't mix, but, but lepers generally would actually congregate because no one else wanted to be around them. So here you even see kind of these boundaries being broken. This We're, we're together in, in, in our suffering. And, and Jesus comes through and, and they cry out to him, they're like, Master, save us. And he says, go to the priest and you'll be healed. And, and on the way, they, they get this physical healing. And, and what happens? Only one comes back. That They all were crying out, Master, help us. Yeah. They wanted the external blessings, yeah. the external healings, but, but there was obviously a sense of entitlement. Kind of, well, we deserve it, actually. We're God's people. Why? Because they didn't come back to, to show gratitude. There was this probably this selfishness of entitlement. And I think we can easily want that too. We want some of the external blessings of being a Christian, of, of all the different things, but, but sometimes we can shy away from the, the gratitude, the servitude to God. Again, life can't be all about me, me, me. Let's be selfless in our relationships. Doing whatever we can for those around us. To help them spiritually. And forgiving anyone who wrongs us. And we need to see that we are indebted to our master. We are just servants. And that we run to him in gratitude. And the best part is is that the the last guy, it seems as though, and most think this, that, that he didn't just get the external blessing, but when he goes back, Jesus says, rise and go, your faith made you well. That he also got that spiritual healing. And that's what we want. Yeah, the physical, out, external stuff, yeah, amen, but, but we want spiritual healing, forgiveness. Let, let's go after that. Church, let's, let's not focus on self. Let's be selfless in our relationships. Let's not cause one another to stumble. Let's give up our right to self and let's give up our, our right to hold on to, 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 to hurts between us. And let's be grateful servants to our loving and merciful God. And to God be the glory 